I want you to take your Bibles. If you've got them, I want you to turn them to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to talk tonight about the power of God in your life. I want to talk tonight about expecting the power of God in your life. So we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. You ever heard that phrase, the kingdom of God? You heard that before? The kingdom of God, that phrase, the kingdom of God, is the main theme of all of Jesus' teaching. The number one thing Jesus taught about was the kingdom of God and that the kingdom was to come in the earth. Not only is it the number one thing Jesus ever taught about, the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ said, is to be the absolute priority of your life. In Luke chapter 11, 12, he, those two chapters together, he said this. <clears throat> he said, all the people that are lost, pagans, seek these things, but not you. My people will seek ye first the kingdom of God. Well, if the Bible says the priority of my life should be the kingdom of God, I need to be able to tell you what it is. How are you going to look for something if you don't know what you're looking for? What's the first thing in the Bible you're told to pray for? Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father, praise your name, thy kingdom come. And the kingdom of God is what we're put on the earth for. And I want to talk to you about the kingdom of God and what it is. And uh, I want you to come away tonight with an understanding. So that's what the kingdom of God is. And of course, I, I have to keep throwing this in over and over. It has nothing to do with religion. has nothing to do with church or church work. It's not it at all. And we're going to look at the kingdom of God and the power of God for living tonight. And uh, <clears throat> I want you to... Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. One verse here. 1 Corinthians 4, 20 says this. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Or some another translation says this. The kingdom of God is not mere words. It has power. So this tells me that the kingdom of God has power in it. And there should be power in the kingdom of God. And there should be power. And uh, it's, it's, the power of God is Holy Spirit power. And the, there should be a power in your life that you know is there that can't be explained by your effort. Most Christianity in America today is lived by human effort. The word trying is involved. But the kingdom of God is not human effort. The kingdom of God is power. It's Holy Spirit power. It's when the power of God is in your life to do something you can't do. And you need to expect, if you're a believer, you need to expect the power of God in your life. You need to expect a manifestation. You need to be able to say that. That's it right there. And you need to be aware of the power of God operating in your life. This is what the kingdom of God is. If you, do, if you look through the Bible, through the New Testament, these people didn't learn how to do anything. The power of God came on them. Are you, are you understand what I'm saying here? Today we have classes. I, I was required to go and be a teacher one years ago when I was in a denomination about how to witness. We have to teach people how to witness. The Bible doesn't say that's right. The Bible, no, they weren't taught to witness about Jesus in the Bible. Jesus said, I'm giving you the greatest challenge on earth. The message, the only thing that'll help people is the gospel of Christ. You know, every human being that's ever born is going to die and go to hell. Yeah. Their only hope is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Their only hope is the cross of Christ for eternity. And Jesus said, I'm giving this job to you, my people, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. You've got the only hope of humanity. But listen to what he said. Don't go yet. You wait. And you will receive power. And when the Holy Spirit powers come upon you, then you can be my witnesses. They had the assignment, they had the message, but they didn't have the power. And he said, wait on the power. And of course, you know what happened? That was the latter part of Luke and, and John in the book of Acts. He said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. In Acts chapter two, the power of God came down on the believers. It was a visible manifestation of the power of God and everybody knew it happened. And he came in there and the people immediately began to tell their enemies how great God was. How is it that we hear them talking about the wonderful works of God? They didn't have to be trained. Matter of fact, they were taught, they were told a few days later by the government, hauled them all in. The government said, do not speak to anybody in this name again. They were told not to witness. What was their answer in that verse? We cannot stop talking about what we have experienced. And now we're teaching people to witness, begging them to witness, but nobody does it. And Christianity has become a powerless human effort. Do the best you can. Try not to cuss. Go to church. Try to stay awake. 
it is so foreign from the New Testament, what Jesus calls the kingdom of God. Let's listen to this. The kingdom of God is not a bunch of words. It's power. You can see that in 1 Corinthians 4.20. The kingdom of God is power. And this power, you can't work it up. The power has to be given to you. It has to come from God. And I quoted Luke 12.31 that says this. You seek first the kingdom of God. You live for this stuff. All your bills will be paid. All the other things will be added to you. The next verse says this. Don't you ever be afraid, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you kingdom power. So good. But what do you hear there? It has to be given to you. You can't work it up. You can't make it happen. Kingdom power. There was the cross released two things. The cross, when Jesus died on the cross, he broke Satan's back. He broke the powers of hell. The Bible said he destroyed death at the cross. I am free from hell forever because I put my faith in Christ at the cross. But the cross also made the kingdom available for this life. He broke the curse at the cross and made the power of God available in this life that we live by. Now, I want to take a minute. To, I want you to really understand the kingdom of God and what it is from Scripture. I want to give. I want to show you. This is what it'll look like in a person's life if the kingdom comes. And we're told to pray, "Thy kingdom come, and Thy will be done." Same thing. Oh, in me, in my home. I want the kingdom of God to rule in my house. I want it to rule in my life. Now, we're going to look at a practical outworking. This is what the kingdom looks like in a person's life when it comes there. Now, the kingdom involves two elements. If the kingdom comes in this life right here, two things are going to happen. Your life, two things are going to happen. I'm going to give you two scriptures, one that shows you a picture of what happens if, if the kingdom comes. I want you to look at both of them. The first one uh, is in, uh, I want you to turn that to Matthew chapter 12, at what Jesus said it will look like if the kingdom comes. Matthew chapter 12 is where Jesus said, if my kingdom comes in your life, you'll see this happen right here. All right, Matthew chapter 12, I'm just going to give you two verses. One, and there are two things that happen to a person if the kingdom comes. And they're, they're separate things. And two verses speak to both of them very clearly. Matthew chapter 12, um, verse 28 says this. Jesus said that these words are by the words in red. All the words are good. Words in red are really good. Verse 28 if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come to you. What's the first thing that happens if the kingdom of God comes in my life? You say, Brother Bob, I ain't got no demons. You sure? You sure about that? Let me ask you a question. You got any prejudice? Where's that come from? How about this one? You got low self-esteem. I need the Holy Ghost. How about, uh, you got any hatred or bitterness towards something, somebody that did you can't let go of years ago? That's the demonic. God's people got the demonic all in their lives. The Bible calls them strongholds where the demonic has a stronghold in you. What it is, if the if this kingdom of God comes upon you, it's when the spirit of God breaks the crap off your life. Amen. If I cast out demons or break the demonic or set you free from the demonic, now don't be thinking exorcist and that crap we see on TV. Hollywood should not be defining truth for us. Amen. The Bible defines truth. Okay. If the Spirit of God comes on me, and, and the, you know, this stuff I struggle with, let me, addiction, addiction. Addiction is demonic. It's not a disease, it's demonic. Doctor's wrong, Bible right. One of the, the, the most common addiction today is not substance, it's pornography. It's pornography. Uh, Mr. Barnum, one of his polls said that 30%, listen, this is crazy. 30% of pastors, pastors struggle with addiction to pornography. Oh, thy kingdom come. Wrong kingdom. <laughs> but if the spirit, you know, men say, well, I, I struggle, I struggle. If, if, I, if I break the demonic hold over your life by the spirit of God, the kingdom has come. Tell me what the kingdom is. It's when the spirit of God comes on you and breaks the demonic hold, the garbage in our lives. You know, we, I, we've got all kinds of psychological and medical terms for it. The Bible calls it darkness. And if, if you know, I've, I've, I had a, I've dealt with no few people through the years. These are good people, good Christian people. But there was something way back there. Uh, and the most, one of the most common ones that I've seen people set free from is a woman, a good woman, good Christian woman, 40, 50 years old, who was molested by a stepdad 30, 40, 50 years ago. 
and just held a, a place of pain and bitterness through all these years. And that was a demonic stronghold in her life. And then the Spirit of God comes in and frees her from that thing that she suffered from for 40 years. Wow. You know what happened? The kingdom of God came. If I break the power of darkness over you, and, the, and I just mentioned five or six, eight, we could go through a lengthy, lengthy. If there's darkness, it ain't good. But you, you, you don't struggle with it. You don't try. You, if the Spirit of God comes on you and breaks it, the kingdom came. So the first thing you need to know about the kingdom of God is, it's when the power of God, the Spirit of God comes on your life and sets you free from the garbage. Let me tell you what the church has been doing. We beat people up because they're struggling. We beat them up because they're struggling. Don't you understand people don't understand why they do what they do? Most of them would do better if they could. You say, well, you've got to try harder. No, 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 that's not, that's the kingdom of flesh. Yeah. Don't you think they would if they could? That's right. The kingdom of God is when the spirit of God touches people and they are free. Right. But it's by the power of God. It's by the Holy Spirit. It's not by self-effort, all right? That, that's one side of it. Here's the other side of it. Turn with me to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Here's the other side of what happens in a person's life. Uh, when the kingdom comes. I feel compelled to throw this one in too. One of the great works of Satan in this day right now is fear. Listen, fear is purity hell. The Bible, I don't know how you can make it any plainer. It said, God did not give you that spirit of fear. Now we, you can battle fear, but listen to me, you're supposed to battle fear. You're not supposed to embrace it. You're not supposed to wallow in it and live in it. And people living under fear, fear of the future, fear of all this stuff, that is demonic activity. I mean, the Bible couldn't make it plainer. Where the, when, the, when the Spirit of God comes, there's a fearlessness. You know why? Because if I break, if I cast out that garbage by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom has shown up in your life. See what he meant when he said, pray, pray for my kingdom to come in your life. Pray for the Spirit of God to come on your life and set you free from this garbage. All right, here's the flip side. Here's the other side. We, know, we don't just need to get the boogers out of the barn. What you going to do if you can't booger? Romans 14, 17 says this, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Locks, knocks a lot of folks out. Listen to what it is. It is righteousness, peace, and joy by the Holy Spirit. Amen. The, the Spirit of God comes into your life. He breaks the garbage off. And then the Spirit of God, He begins to do some things in your life. What's the three things He does? The word righteousness simply means right. He makes things right. But look, Let's save that in for a minute. What does the Holy Spirit bring into your life? What else? Peace. He brings a great peace and confidence into your life. And it's not because you're, you, you're, you're not medicated. It's just, there, there, there's just a, the Bible says there is a peace that passes understanding. Amen. He got on me this morning a little bit. He said, why do you keep trying to understand what's going on? This peace passes understanding. Biggers, you can understand or you can have peace. Which one you want? I said, I'm addicted to peace. I don't care whether I understand or not. I want the peace of God. But the Holy Spirit just brings peace into your life. You relax. You're not afraid of what people think. You're not afraid of the future. You just, there's an ease about people that have the Spirit of God in their lives. What's the other one he brings in? Joy. Could we use some joy in this land today? Yes. We've gotten so used to being depressed, we think it's normal. Oh, wow. There was joy is the, when the Spirit of God, when the kingdom comes in your life, there's a quiet joy and sometimes there's a loud joy. And it's not the work it up mess we got going on today. It's just the joy of Jesus flows out of you. One of the great prayers Jesus prayed in his last prayer said this, I write these things that my joy may be in them and their joy may be full. It's a supernatural joy that the Holy Spirit brings in your life. Amen. I want you to look at the picture here. We pray that kingdom come. I pray that. Here's my prayer. He answers my prayer. Holy Spirit of God comes on my life. He breaks all the garbage off my life by His power. And a Holy Spirit power comes over me. And there's a peace and a joy and things are made right in my life. That's not me doing it. Right. You receive the kingdom of God. You don't work it up. Now let me ask you a question. Who would not be for this? And if the kingdom of God is religion, count me out. Who would not be to have the crap broken off their lives by the power of God and have the presence of a person come on you that brings you a peace and a quiet and a joy? And, and you know, righteousness is hope. All the good stuff. In other words, let me, let me put it this way. God shows up and kicks out the bad guys and brings in the good guys. It's the, listen to me. It's power. It's not with word. It's with power. 
This is the teaching of the Bible that, 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 that this is what we, this is Christianity in the Bible. Such a far cry we got today. I don't want to show you a practical application. This is what it'll look like. And I'll show you two lives. I want to show you what it'll look like in the life of a, a man that doesn't know God, doesn't follow God. We'd call him a lost man. And then I want to show you what it looks like in the life of a believer. Listen to me. Just because the kingdom comes one time in your life doesn't mean you're not going to have to fight for it from then on. Do you really think the enemy is going to lay down and say, I'm whooped? It's a battle. It's a, the kingdom is a battle. Listen to this. Since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, suffers violence, and the violent have to constantly keep taking it by force. It's a battle to walk in the kingdom. It's a battle to have the touch of God on your life. It's a battle to have the Holy Spirit rest on you and to be free from the garbage and filled with the goodness. I'll show you a picture of them. Like we won't take time to read it. I'll just quote it to you. In Mark chapter 5, you have one of the greatest demonstrations of the kingdom of God. And Jesus came to this earth to bring the kingdom of God to men's lives. That's why he came. He didn't come to make people religious. He came to set people free. Fill them with the goodness of God. And this is one of the great pictures. The man doesn't have a name. He's known as the Gadarene or the Gadarene demoniac. And this is a man, the Bible says there was a man who was a demon possessed and he lived in a graveyard and the Bible described him and it talked about him and it said he was very violent. He wore no clothes. He cut himself constantly with stones. He'd, they couldn't restrain him. He'd been chained, but he broke the chains. There's a supernatural power in people when the demonic's in them. And uh, he was a miserable man. Well, the Bible said he, that Jesus went to him and Jesus told the unclean spirits, leave the man, don't ever bother him again. Jesus rebuked the unclean spirits. And remember, this is where they asked, can we go into those pigs? Evil spirits, even if they have to leave, they're always looking for something live to get into. And Jesus gave them permission. Who's in charge here? Jesus gave them permission. They went in the pigs. And of course, the pigs uh, destroyed themselves in the sea. And the Bible said those who kept the pigs went into town and told what happened. The people came out and they came out. They found the man seated, clothed in his right mind. And they were scared. And uh, they asked Jesus, won't you to leave? So why would you leave, make somebody leave? This whole town had been terrorized by this fool for years now. And you're going to throw Jesus out? You'd be surprised if people kicked Jesus out if he showed up. Another subject. And the Bible said the man who had the demonized, who had been demonized, he begged Jesus, let me be with you. And Jesus said, no. He said, go home, put your family back together. Yeah. Go back, get your friendship straightened out. Mm -hmm. And you have a mission for the rest of your life. You go tell the world how great I am and what God's done for you. Mm -hmm. And the man went off on his mission. All right, that is a picture of darkness displaced, light come. Amen. Who did it? That, you, they didn't go out and tell that man, straighten yourself up. Get your britches on. Quit hollering. You know what happened? The Spirit of God came on him. And the demonic was broken over his life. And righteousness, peace, and joy were brought into his life by the power of God. I'm going to give you some words here. To, when the power of darkness was ruling in this man's life, let me give you some words. And uh, a little beyond this. Number one, uncontrolled behavior. Out of control behavior is not normal. People say, I can't help myself. Something's wrong. Who's running you? Out of control behavior. Number two, self-destructive behavior. It is not normal for you to want to hurt yourself. The man was, listen, people, this new phenomenon called cutting, it's been in the Bible for 2,000 years. But the, listen, the demonic is behind the cutting. Now, this man's cutting himself, clearly. But destructive behavior, it doesn't matter whether it's cutting yourself or drugs or, or physical activities. That it's, You're supposed to take care of yourself. Ephesians 5 says, no man, ha no man hates and destroys his own body, but he cherishes and takes care of his body. When you destroy yourself, that ain't you. That's somebody behind that. Self-destructive behavior. Number three, internal pain. Misery on the inside. The Bible said the man was crying out day and night. He was hurting so bad on the inside. That is not normal. To suffer on the inside like that. Emotional pain inside. That's not normal. Number four, see if you ever heard of this. Violence. Violence is from hell. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, but it's from a position of power. But this man was so violent, nobody could settle him down. Number five, how about this one? Broken families, broken relationships. I'm telling you, Satan hates the family because it's a picture of God's goodness. That's why he works relentlessly to destroy families. This man's family had been broken. He had no friendships. He'd ruined all his relationships, no true friendships. 
and uh, screwed everything up. Lewdness. What we're calling freedom today is demonic lewdness. You see, you see, you just hold. No, I'm biblical. And I'm going to tell you, let me tell you what I'm finding out from folks who are calling themselves free now. They're miserable. And it's a cheap escape. And uh, let me give you one more. An out of control mind. Notice when they found him the second time, the Bible said he was seated, he was at peace, and he was in his right mind. Yeah. I've had people say, I just, I can't stop thinking these, these thoughts. I don't, who do you, who the hell do you think that is? The Bible said God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a quiet, sound mind. Right. You should be in total control of your mind. Amen. By the way, we're going to talk Sunday about the battles for the mind. And the, the demonic was in his mind. All right, let me give you. All right, then all of a sudden, in a moment, Jesus comes and the power of God comes on this man. There's a complete change in his life. Yeah. Let me give you a few words that describe the kingdom. In his life, peace of mind and heart. Man's seated. He's quiet. He can think rationally. Because the kingdom of God's come on him. Dignity. He's got his clothes back on. He's not trash anymore. He's somebody. Because Jesus, listen, our dignity doesn't come from the fact that we're rich or can hit a ball. Our dignity comes from the fact that we were created in the image of God. Amen. Every human being created in the image of very God himself. Number three, self-control. He had no trouble being still whatsoever. He was in total control of his life. Number four, you'll see this every time. He was crazy about Jesus. Love for Jesus. Listen, when the Holy Ghost shows up, you're going to love Jesus. John chapter 14 says this, when he has come, he will talk to you about me and he will cause you to love me. Yeah. I ask people, I say, uh, you love Jesus? They'll say, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> then I'll ask some of these other lunatics, you love Jesus? They'll say, oh gosh, gosh. And they go, well, the Holy Ghost is in there. <laughs> love for Jesus. Number five, restored relationships. When God shows up, he putting families back together. God puts families back together. He don't tear relationships up. He puts nations together. He don't destroy friendships. He builds friendships. Notice this man got his family back together. One of the ways I know that the kingdom of God is working, for instance, I love to go to the living free graduations and watch as these men whose kids gave up on them wouldn't speak to them. Now these kids are, these kids are loving their daddies and talking about how much they love them. You see families restored. You know what's happened right there? Thy kingdom came. The kingdom of God came, puts relationships back together. Number six, this man who had no purpose in life has now got a passion for life. He's got a reason to get up in the morning. He's excited to get up. He's passionate about life. He's driven. And he's got a mission in life. He's not just goofing off, eating cheeseburgers, and watching dumb movies. You were created for more than that. But you'll never find why you were created, your mission in life, and passion for that till you find it in Jesus. Because he's the one who created you. Till the king shows. So that's a picture. That's, that's, there's many pictures in the Bible. That's what it looks like when the kingdom comes. Because the kingdom's not just in word, it's in power. The power of God came on that man's life, freed him from the garbage, and then changed him with good stuff. All right, now let's shift gears. Let me show you the picture of the kingdom coming in the life of a believer. There's you know, the kingdom of darkness can come in the life of a believer. But we're not supposed to accept it and stay there. All right, great picture. And this is not a... The Apostle Paul was a man, great man. Again, I won't, we won't belabor reading. I'm just going to quote to you. But Acts chapter 16, he goes to preach in a little town called Philippi. <clears throat> and uh, the demons who run the city knew the Savior who was running him. You know, until you get it and start believing that what we see in the visible is controlled by the invisible, life on this planet never going to make sense. But the demons that owned that city, and it was a very pagan, idolatrous city, knew who he was. So he came and, and there's a little girl, she was, a, she was divining and she was doing fortune telling and all this stuff. Now a lot of those folks are frauds. Some of them have a demon spirit in them. Now I've had some folks go to them before and I said, what, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And they'll say, Brother Brian, they told me stuff nobody could have known. I said, yes, of course they did. It's called a familiar spirit. The demon in them knew the demon in your grandma. And they talk to each other. That's why they're called familiar spirits. They're familiar with each other. The Bible is very clear about not messing with that stuff. God have mercy. I'm sorry. I'm getting testy in my old age. So he goes and this little girl, and he, he, just, he just prays over her and sets her free from the powers of hell. These men are using her and sets her free. Well, that makes them mad because their hope of money has gone. 
So the Bible said they grabbed them, brought them to the magistrates. The whole crowd, looked, it looked like Portland, Oregon. Just a riot broke out in the city. But, you know, anarchy and craziness. It was just nutty. The whole town went crazy. They started telling lies about them. They're here to destroy our town. They were here to help their town. And the Bible said the magistrates arrested them and they tied them to a whipping post, tore their shirts off and beat them 39 times with a bamboo rod on their backs. I mean, I think that might hurt. And then they said, we'll decide, we'll have a tribunal tomorrow. Throw them in jail tonight. So they threw them in jail. They fastened them in the inner, put them in the lowest part of the jail. You're sitting on your bottom and, and these are not nice jails. Your feet are in stocks and the Bible said it's dark. All right, you tell me, kingdom of God or kingdom of hell? What does that sound like to you? That's the kingdom of darkness. Let me give you some words here about the kingdom of darkness. Violence. I'm telling you where there's violence. You're looking at the powers of hell. Strife between people. What's this? This people just can't get along. Guess who's buying that? The power of Jesus is that they might be one. And the humility to have, stop having to have your way all the time. Amen. I'm going to say it again. You don't need to have your way all the time. Guess what we call people that have to have their way all the time? Single. You better learn to bend. <clears throat> I should have said that probably. Listen to this. They're a lying and accusation. I want you to listen to what Jesus Christ said about a lie. Any lies in the land you know of today? Sometimes known as the media. Any lies you know of in the land today? Listen to what Jesus said about a lie. John 8, 44, he said, you, he's talking to ministers. He said, you are your father, the devil. I bet that went over good. He said, you do the works of your father. You never tell the truth because he is a liar and he is the father of lies. Every lie that's ever been told, where was it originated? And this accusation and lying. Number four, confusion. The Bible said the whole town came together and they were confused. There was an uproar. Do you know of any confusion in a land today? Pain. Satan is the author of pain. These guys are hurting terribly. And then, of course, bondage. They're thrown in jail. The main was just the hatred. Hatred ruled in that city. Let me tell you who is the prince of hatred. It ain't Jesus. Greater love has no man than this in the land in his life for his friends. All right, something happens. They're in this jail. They're suffering. The Bible, verse 25 at midnight, said that, said that Paul and his partner's house said they were praying to God. wonder what they was praying for. To help us find a good lawyer? They didn't have cell phones called. What were they praying for? Thy kingdom come. And they said they were praying and singing hymns to God. They're in the cell. They're hurt, but they're worshiping God and praying. We don't need a lawyer. We ain't got nobody. We need you to come. And they're praying. And the Bible said all of a sudden the jail began to shake and said their chains fell off and the doors flew open and said the prisoner, the prison guard woke up and he saw it. He said they've escaped. He thought they'd escape. So he takes out his own sword. He's going to commit suicide by falling on his sword. Who's buying that? There's a spirit of suicide. And, uh, you know, because the, then if you were the jailer and your prisoners escaped, you were put to death in the morning. He said, I ain't letting them kill me. I'll kill myself. Paul called out, whoa, whoa, don't hurt yourself. There's a miracle right there. Average preacher, you lock him up. He sees somebody going to kill us. He said, serves you right. But his heart is so tender to him. He said, no, he said, well, we're sitting right here. We didn't run. We're right here. Look, look, here I am. Smile. Shine light on. Had to call for light. And the Bible said he ran in trembling. He said, this is what the jailer said. What must I do to be saved? Wow. Well, I don't know what you got, but I want it. Right. Whatever you got that you can act like this during these times, I want what you got. And Paul said to him, you believe on Jesus. You can be saved. You can have what I've got. And matter of fact, he said, let's just take your whole family in too. You can be saved, you and your family. And the Bible said he brought them out. He said he healed their stripes, washed their stripes, healed their wounds. And then he fed them. And the next day, this, everything had gone quiet. Nobody's mad anymore. Peace came. And the magistrate said, turn those guys loose. Just tell them to go free. Can you see a shift in the atmosphere somewhere about verse 25? You know what happened? They prayed, worshiped God. The Spirit of God came. The powers of hell were broken and displaced over that place and the, and the sweetness of God came and peace and joy and things were made right. Good. Thy kingdom come. That's exactly what happened. Let me, let me give you some words here. Freedom and peace and harmony and healing and provision and salvation. That's God in charge. Kingdom of God literally means the rule of God. It's when His way is being done. It's when He's in charge. Listen, when God's in charge, you're not going to see religion and backstabbing and 
and uh, craziness, you're going to see righteousness, peace, and joy by the power of God. It's not just in word, it's in power. And you're going to see that. Now, let me, let me tell you something. God's heart toward you is not that you struggle and do the best you can. He's, let me make an announcement. He is not the Wizard of Oz and he ain't mad at you. <laughs> he said, you don't know me. You don't know the kingdom. His heart toward you is to give you his power. He doesn't expect you to be able to do it. Do you ever notice how Jesus always asked people to do things they couldn't do? I'm sitting in a meeting one night. I don't know why. It wasn't many, hundred people. I'm sitting over here, like right over there. And the guy's talking. And I thought, what's he talking about? Mm-hmm. So he was supposed to have been preaching. I couldn't figure out what he was talking about. He said, they said, God will never ask you to do something you can't do. And for some crazy reason, he said, isn't that right, Brother Biggers? Oh, no. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to stand up and say, you're, you're loony. Mm-hmm. I'd have messed his whole thing up. Mm-hmm. I just sat there and stared at him. Let me make an announcement. He ain't never asked me to do anything I could do. That's the truth. <laughs> Did Jesus ask people to do things they couldn't do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you read the Bible. Yeah or nay? Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's, let's look at it for a minute. Can we just take a second? Let's think about that. Does God ask people to do things they can't do? Yeah. Man with a withered hand. I mean, his hand's deformed. He can't use it. Jesus has him stand up in front of everybody. And Jesus said, stretch out your hand. Good luck. That man can't stretch his hand out. Don't you think he'd have done it? Right. So what's Jesus? Is he making fun of, is he being cruel? To a, no, but you know what the man did? He said, and the moment he tried, it stretched out. That's right. Guess what? God wanted him to just do something in faith. Guess why that hand stretched out? Come on, guys, if you missed this, we're wasting time now. The power of God came on him. Yeah. And the power of God straightened that hand out. Amen. John chapter 4. I mean, five. He goes to a place, a man's crippled 38 years, and he's laying there on that mat, can't get up. Jesus said, stand up, take up your mat, roll it up, and go home. Don't you think he'd have done it if he could have? Why is he telling a crippled man to walk? What happened when the guy went? What happened? The power of God came on him. All through the Bible, you see Jesus asking people to do things they can't do. And if they'll just take the first step of faith, the power shows up. He told Simon Peter, walk on water. You go try it. Guess what? Guess what happened when he did obey? Do you think it was the power of God was there? I'll give you one harder than that. You want one harder than that? This is one he told me one time. This is harder, harder than any of. I'd rather stretch my hand out crippled. I'd rather walk on water. He said to me, love your wife like Christ loves the church. Fat chance. I love my wife. I got the greatest wife in the world. I love her dearly, but like Christ loves the church? Really? Ain't but one way that can happen. Guess what? The kingdom's got to come. The power of God's got to come. Something's got to happen in my heart by the power of God. It ain't going to happen. You know, I, I can love her like Brian loves Kay. That's about as good as I can do. I, mean, I, can write, I can love her country music song style. That's about it. What if the power of God were to come on my heart, he were to touch my heart, and it were possible? We have got to quit living down here at this best I can do level. You need to expect the power of God in your life. You need to expect things to happen. Try, hey, let's go a little bit further. People say, I try not to slap nobody. God ain't, you ain't even in the ballpark. Love your enemies. Pray for those who hate you. Bless, I read that, I just said, kick me out of the park. He's not challenging you to do stuff you can't do. He's saying, take a step of faith and see if my power don't help you do it. The kingdom of God is not in word, it's in power. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that comes on people's lives. We need to begin to expect this power. Let's, let's look in Luke chapter 11. I want you to see God's heart for you. I hope this changes the way you see, quote, Christianity or whatever you want to call it. Luke chapter, I'm sorry, Luke 12. Luke chapter 12. Is that passage where Jesus says, everybody's worried about making a living. Everybody's worried about paying their bills. Everybody's worried about getting by and providing for the kids. He said, this is how people live outside my kingdom. Now that's Luke 12, 22 through 30. He, says, he said, this is how everybody lives. He said, you're not going to live. My people don't live like that. Here's how my people live, verse 31. But you seek the kingdom of God and all this other stuff, paying your bills, taking care of your kids, I'll take care of that. What do you tell me to live to do? I'm to live to seek the kingdom of God, which is what? The power of God. 
I'm going to seek the power of God. Now, I want to show you God's heart towards you. This is every person. Here's his heart towards you. Verse 32. Do not fear, little ones or little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Nothing brings God greater joy than to let his power be released in your life. He's not looking for me to prove something to him. He's the one who said you can't do anything apart from me anyway. We got this thing that I've got to impress God with how good I can be. He knows how good you can be. Zero. He's the one who said, apart from me, you can't do anything. You know what his joy is? It's not when you say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go three days without cussing. I swear I am. I, I'm going to do it. <laughs> he don't call Gabriel and say, let's watch and see how they do. That's, that's foolish nonsense. That's religious garbage. That's the kingdom of hell right there. His heart is to say, let me help you. I want my spirit to come on you. I want you to have the power of God. You know what fun is? It's when you're able to do things you knew you couldn't do. That's fun right there. That's real fun right there. What's fun is when the stuff that used to just cause you to go into a tizzy don't bother you at all no more. And you go, between me and you, I know this ain't me. This is you, ain't it? That's fun right there. Kingdom's supposed to be funny. I think that's where the joy in the kingdom comes from. Amen. And uh, we, we, need to, we need to be surprised by the power of God. Let me tell you something. This is why Jesus came right here. Jesus did not come to challenge a bunch of people to do better. Jesus came to set the captives free. Jesus came to bring power into people's lives. It is a, it's just a kingdom with power. But we've gotten so far away from it. Let me tell you what the Bible prophesied. I want you to look at these verses with me. The Bible said there's going to come a day when the church is going to lose the power of God. Let's look at it. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I was not taught this. I I was saved. The power of God came on me and split the skies when I got saved. I was mean as a devil. I've I've told you my testimony. I was demonized. I didn't know it. You know, when you're in stuff, you can't see it. Can I get a witness? When you're in the darkness, you can't see because the darkness blinded your eyes, Jesus said. I should have known it. I'm involved in witchcraft mess and this crazy nonsense and smoking opiates and messing. You know, by the way, smoking that stuff and eating that stuff is what opens your mind to the demonic. That's why the Bible, the Bible talks about sorcery. You ever heard of sorcery? We think witchcraft. You know what the Greek word in the Bible for sorcery is? Pharmakia. What English word do we get from pharmakia? Take a wild guess. Pharmacy. Pharmacy is sorcery. I'm not talking about prescription drugs. I'm talking about dabbling in drugs and mess opens your heart and mind to the demonic and the crap. And I was all in that crap. And just, just so dark on the inside of me. And I didn't need to straighten up. In a moment, the Spirit of God came on me and it was gone. And a quiet came over me that I'd never known before. I was so restless on the inside and so crazy. And a quiet came over me and a peace came over me. And it was just like a new man stood up when I got up off the ground that night. And then you know, I, I was supposed, they were supposed to teach me how to live in the kingdom and they taught me religion and got a whole new set of demons in. God have mercy. I thought demons by the boatload. I swear, I, well, I'm going to quit swearing. I want you to look what the Bible says about the power of God disappearing in the church. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1. 2 Timothy 3 1. Know this. In the last days, difficult times will come. When are we talking about? Latter days. Last days on the earth. Look in verse 5. People will have a form of godliness, but deny its power. Well, the Bible is going to say, in the latter days, you need to know this is going to happen. There will be formal religion, church programs, ministries, all this stuff, but they will deny the power of God. I actually hear preachers say that that great power that they experienced in the book of Acts was just to get the church going. It's not for today. What did the Bible say right there? They will, they will deny the power of God. Can you not see it ain't good? It didn't say the power would go away. It said they will not it'll deny it. Now, let me ask you a question. What should you do with people that deny the power of God today? Finish reading the verse. The Bible said they'll have a form of godliness, but deny the power. Get away from people like that. Stay away from those preachers and those people like that. Can you see from the text right here that we will live in a day where the church will be powerless? And it'll emphasize you've got to try to do better. But it'll be a powerless religious experience. By the way, that is the formal definition of religion, form without power. Religious form with no power behind it. 
you know what you want to do, you know what you should do, but you're powerless. And uh, I've, I've had people in all kinds of a garbage and crap, and they say, I just can't stop, I can't help it. Well, what are you going to do? Tell them to try harder? They didn't ruin their families. You know they'd try harder if they could. You know what the answer is? The power of God. The answer is for the power of the Spirit of God to come on their lives. Now, let me make an announcement. We're living in a day where spirit war has intensified. I mean, it's been ratcheted up in the last 10 years. Darkness is raising hell in the earth today. It is intensified. You see it in the nation. You see it on the national scene. You see it in the filth and the perversion that we're calling normal now. This is crazy. You see it in the strife that people can't get along. You see it in the breakup of the home today. The, the, you just see the intensity of darkness in the earth today. There has never been a time when you needed the power of God more because of the power of darkness encroaching. Be tough if you want to. You ain't tough enough for what's coming on this land. And we've got to get back to the power of God in people's lives. And, and uh, such an intense battle. Listen to me. You need to expect a life of power. Can you not see it in the Bible? The same Jesus that saved your soul will give you his spirit. He gave you the gift of salvation and the gift of his spirit. And it's a wonderful day when you say, I'm going to quit trying to do all this stuff and I'm going I'm to find out where this power is at. I'm going to lay hold of it. And, but there is it. <laughs> you have got to say there is a power and I'm going to have it. Right. Well, I was taught the power of God passed away and you can't expect it. Well, I was, I was in trouble without the power of God. And then I began to read in this Bible. I, kept find, I couldn't find anywhere in the Bible where it said God wouldn't do today what he did then. Mm. I found stuff like he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I said, well, we sure ain't got what they had. Mm. You know, the, don't uh, reject fancy words and fancy teaching. Just go with the Bible. But you know what I didn't know? It was the Spirit of God inside of me saying, son, they got to be more to it than this. Quit listening to what they're telling you. Listen to what my word says. And I saw where people began to seek the power of God in their lives and cry out for God, for his power. And I, I just went through the Bible and said, where, how do these people get the power of God? And uh, I saw where they began to seek it. One of my favorites is Elisha. He ran into a guy named Elijah. And Elijah was a powerful man. The touch of God was on him. And Elisha came up to him and he said, he said, I want twice what you got. I love that kind of stuff. We'd be happy to have half of what somebody, he said, I've seen the great miracles you want. I want twice that much. And Elijah said, you have asked a hard thing. You reckon. And uh, here, let me tell you what he said. <clears throat> this is a great lesson for you and me. Quit giving up so easy. Wow. And Elijah said to him, you've asked a hard thing, but if you're standing beside me when he takes me up, you will have twice what I have. Elisha went. <laughs> and uh, this is the craziest story, but God is saying something to you here. And Elijah turned to him and said, you stay here. I'm going across the Jordan. And Elisha went. He would not break contact with that old preacher. He told him, don't come. He said, I'm coming. Uh -huh. They got to the other side of the Jordan. And uh, Elijah did something. He said, I'm going to such and such a city. Do not follow me. He, I mean, he held up just, you couldn't have separated them. Because you know what this is a picture of? I want the power of God. And I'm not just going to say a piddly prayer. I'm going to hang in there till I get it. Come on. He did the third. And then he, the third time he said, I have got to go back to, I, I think it was there. He said, stay here. He was like glue. And uh, they're, they're across, they get to the Jordan River. And the sons of the prophets called out to Elisha. Don't you know your master will be taken from you today? He said, Silence. That's a good thing to say to people. Elijah takes off his jacket, rolls it up, hits the river, and it parts. Elijah goes, that's what I want right there. That's what I want right there. People say it's wrong to want the power of God. Buy you a new Bible and throw the one you got away. It ain't working. This book shows people chasing the power of God constantly. And he got across there. And he, I mean, just like, just, Elijah couldn't even go to the bathroom. So we're going together. He would not let that man part. He kept his hand on him the whole time. And then all of a sudden he got over there. And a lot of people say that they mistake this. They say that Elisha went, Elijah went straight to heaven in a chariot of fire. He did not. Go back and read it. It said that all of a sudden it was time for Elijah to go. Only two people in the Bible never died, went straight up. Elijah's one, I mean, it's the other. And the Bible said a chariot of fire came from heaven and split the two of them. But Elijah went up in a whirlwind. God looks down and he says, I don't want them both up here. 
and that younger one's clinging to that big one. So he sent the chariot of fire to knock him off of him and get him free for just a minute so he could take him up. What's that in the Bible? What's that a picture of? Elisha loved God. He was a follower of God. What's that a picture of? I am going to have the power of God in my life. I am not going to be a powerless man. And the Bible said when Elijah went up, his cloak mantle fell down. Elisha picked that thing up, looked at it, went straight over to the river, went whack. And that river parted and he said, uh-huh. <laughs> if you go and read the rest of Kings, let me tell you what you'll find. Elijah worked eight major miracles in his life. Elisha worked 16. Yeah. What he asked for. How come he didn't work 17? Because he asked for double. He got exactly what he wanted. All through the Bible, you see those stories. A lot of stuff like that in the Bible. God loves a people who hunger and thirst. Right. Hunger and it's not just, well, if he wants me to have it, I'll have it. You ain't getting nothing. I got news for you. You ain't getting nothing but that kind of attitude. This is like championship wrestling. You got to want to win. Probably not a great analogy, but that's what it is. Turn back with me to Luke chapter 11. I made up my mind. I am not going to do the best I can do. If there's power, I'm going to find it. And I don't part rivers with it. I just like to have power to behave. Harder for me to behave than it would be to part the river. Even as a preacher, I was fearful to talk to people about the things of God. There's a nervousness about it. I didn't like it. I said, I'm supposed to talk to people about God and I'm nervous to do it. But I saw in the book of Acts where they were not nervous at all when the power of God came on them. And I said, uh, I'm going to... I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what I want to do because I care about people. But this fear, this I'm scared to talk to people. Well, I, I looked up fear and found out where fear came from. And I said, I'm going to have the power of God that I can. I, as a child in school, I took F's on book reports. I would not stand up. I'm terrified to be in front of people. I'm not going to do it. Well, I don't have any trouble being in front of people now at all. I'll talk ugly to all of you. It doesn't matter to me. That's, this is not my personality. I said, I'm going till the Spirit of God comes upon me and I can talk to people freely. And it doesn't bother me. I want the power of God. I want the spirit of fear knocked off of me. And I want to be able to talk about Jesus freely to anybody, anywhere. And I, I want to do it in the Spirit. I don't want to be just a crusty old fart that aggravates people. I said, I want to do it right because I want to help people. Well, I needed the power of God for that. And I want you to look at what the Bible says. And this is... Luke chapter 11, the great passage, verse 2. Jesus said, when you pray, say this, Father in heaven, your kingdom come. Dear ones, what did Jesus tell you to ask him for? Ask your Father for the kingdom, which is righteousness, peace, and joy, the Holy Spirit. Break the darkness off. Let the power of God come on my life. Let this be on me. Ask him for it. And uh, let me tell you, this applies to, this applies to me and you. Now, this is a lengthy... I want you to get this. Verse 5, he said... Who will have a friend go to him at midnight and say, I need three loaves. A friend of mine just came to my house from a journey. I don't have anything to give him. So it's late at night. He goes next door. I got to have some bread. I don't have no stores you could run to then. Verse eight, he'll answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door's shut. My kid's in the bed. I'm not going to get him to give you something this hour of the night. I say to you, he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, but because of his boldness. His boldness, his persistence, his confidence, he will get up and give him what he needs. I love that passage right there. Yeah. Let me tell you something. I got people come to hear me on Sundays. Do you really think they need to hear what I have to say? You really think I have something to say to people? I tell them all the time, I've got friends coming and I don't have anything to say to them. And you need to give me something. I got to have something to say to people. We got to start living, we got to live with this attitude that I don't have what it takes can't you see it? I don't have what it takes. You have got to give me something. And you get an answer that says, no, I am not going to, I'm going to keep knocking on your door till you do something. You say, I'm afraid that'll offend God. Why did he put this in here? Right. He told you to ask. Let me make an announcement. He's not going to give you something because you're his friend. He's going to give you something because you bang on heaven's door. Can you see it? He will not rise and give him because he's his friend, but because of his persistence. You say, well, I don't want to be overbearing. Keep reading. So I say to you, this is what Jesus says. Quit thinking about what you think. Think what he says. Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock, it will be opened. And all three of those are in the continual ongoing sense. Here's what it says. You keep on asking. You keep on seeking. You know, seeking is a little more intense. Yeah. 
I'm seeking the touch of God on my life. You know what knocking is, don't you? I'm going to bang on heaven's door if something happens. You will not offend the Father. He loves this kind of stuff. He likes this kind of stuff right here. We got to get this goofy picture out of our minds that came from religion and let the Bible renew our minds to who he really is and what he likes. All through the Bible, he loves this stuff. I'm going to give you one more. This is my favorite one in the Bible. There's a guy named Jacob, and he was a huckster. Matter of fact, the name Jacob means deceiver. And he was a con man. He was in trouble. He conned his brother out of the inheritance. And he heard that his brother was coming with his army. And Jacob's got his family. He said, I'm dead. My old family's dead. And he said, he'll, be in the, he'll, he'll meet you in the morning on those planes. And your brother's coming. And the last thing he said about you was, I'm going to get him. Now, you got your wife. You got wives. You got your children. You got your goods out there. And here's this enemy coming at you. Well, the Bible said everybody went to bed. He went out in that meeting place there and said he prayed and the angel of God came and met him. And he's praying for the well-being of his family. Listen to me, listen to me. We got to break with this, uh, sir, if it, if it be that. None of that mess. He grabbed that angel, grabbed him, and he prayed this very fancy prayer. I will not let you go till you bless me. And the Bible said he wrestled with him. We're wrestling with the angel of God here. And he wrestled with him, said he wrestled all night long with the angel of God. Do you really think I was talking about putting a half nelson on an angel? Come on. It's talking about battling in prayer. You're not battling with him. You're battling with darkness in prayer. But he battled all night long, wrestled with the angel. The day begins to break. The angel, listen to this. This is crazy. Angel said, let me go. The day's breaking. Jacob said, I am not turning you loose. Do you give me what I want? God, where's that kind of praying? Why do you think that's in the Bible? Can't you hear him saying, talk to me? And the angel said, the angel hit him. I don't know what it's like to be hit by an angel. But the Bible said the angel hit him and dislocated his hip. Does this sound like a prayer meeting to you? Our prayer meetings, if you stay awake through them, you've done good. This type of stuff ought to be on TV. He wrestled with angel all night. You're going you're gonna to help me. You're going to save my family. You've got to protect me. The angel said, turn me loose. I ain't doing it. God, I love this kind of stuff. I can't wait to meet him. And the Bible said, the angel said, popped him. Pow! And it, it dislocated his hip. And you think I'd make that. And by the way, many scholars say the angel was actually Christ. And uh, you think I'd make the angel mad? I want you to see what the angel said. He popped him and apparently fell down because his hip's out of joint. Angel backed up from him and he said, I'm changing your name. You're not a deceiver anymore from now and your name is Israel, Amen. which means prince with God yes. because you have wrestled with me and you won. Yes. And God moved on the situation and stopped his brother, turned his brother's heart and his brother loved him instead of killing him. Why is that in the Bible? The kingdom of heaven sometimes gets violent and the violent have to take it by force. We need to, that's why I don't, I, I pray by myself. I used to wonder, why can't I pray in front of people? He said, because you'll scare the fire out of them if they listen to you pray. You know, in form, public, I pray my formal in front of people prayers. But in private, you've got to get with it. You've got to let the man know, I will have what I need for those people in my family or I will go down. You've got to help me. He's not offended. He wrote the Bible to let you know it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But you're going to have to wrestle. I'm going to finish here. Ask, seek, knock, it'll be open to you. I love that you need to memorize verse 10 of Luke 11. Everyone who asks receives. Let me ask you a personal question. What's the Greek word everyone mean? Is that you? God just told you right there about it, ask, it's going to receive. But it can't be, well, I'm going to try one time and quit. You've got to bow your spine. Everybody who seeks, finds. Everybody that knocks, it'll be open. Then one of the most beautiful pictures in the Bible says this. If a son asks for bread from any father, will they give him a stone? The key word there is not asked. The key word there is son. Father. Let me ask you a question. If my son, when he was a little boy, said, Dad, I'm hungry. Would you feed me? I said, eat this rock, boy. See how stupid that is. He said, you, would you treat your children that way? He said, if he asks for a fish, you're going to give him a scorpion. He asks you for something he needs. You're going to give him something that hurts him? Of course not. Verse 13, the great verse. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. Did he just call me evil? I'm not evil. I'm a good father. You know what he means? In the, in the language, Creek language, 
by comparison. The love I have for my son looks like hatred compared to the love God has for me. The love that you have for your children, as strong as it is, looks like hatred compared to the love God has for you. Here's the, here's, well, let me finish it. If you being evil compared to me will give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give what? The Holy Spirit. What's the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's when the Holy Spirit comes and breaks the powers of darkness off of you. Here's the bottom line, verse 13. God will give you his spirit quicker than you can feed your children. If you'll feed your children, he'll give you his spirit. But we're going to have to do some Jacobin. You know what Jacobin means? We have to wrestle a little bit. We're going to get out in the woods. You've got to have woods to pray. You've got to get out in the woods and we've got to pray. And uh, I've told the story. I'm going to tell it one more. And I'm sure if I'm going to wrap up, we've got to go. Uh, you know, I have a daughter that I love dearly. We love our children. Our kids get in trouble sometimes. My daughter got, I call it widen the turns. That's, that's a preacher's term for messed up. My daughter got widen the turns. And while she was away from God, she loved God, but she got away from God. She made some bad decisions and ends up engaged to this boy that I did not approve of. And so it ain't none of your business. I paid for everything. It's nobody's business but mine who she marries. And uh, you know, let me tell you, I've, I've got enough wisdom from God's word and spirit to know, be quiet. What am I going to do? March in there and say, you and not are going to marry him. They'll be married by dark. Yeah. <laughs> Once they get past a certain age, you can't tell them what to do. 18 months. <laughs> but I knew it wasn't right. I knew it wasn't God's will. I just knew it wasn't. And you know, I can't go in there and straighten a mess out. She's 20 something years old. So I said, well, I didn't want to talk to you anyway. You know what the book, you know what the Bible tells me to do? Go in your closet and close your door. Pray to your father who's in secret. Your father who sees in secret will reward you publicly. I said, we'll just take this battle up in prayer. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm not going to say a word. She'd say, is this, is this okay with you? And I'd just smile. And uh, so I went in my prayer closet and I began to pray and battle. And I said, this is not your will. I know it's not. This is not your best. This is not your will unfolding for all. This is not the kingdom of God. This is junk. And I began to battle and pray and pray in the spirit. And it, it, was, it, it didn't happen overnight. Sometimes you got to wrestle. But listen, listen to me. Quit going by what you see and go by this book. A man named Elijah was going to pray for help one time. And the Bible said he got down on his knees and he bowed his head and he prayed fervently and said, you've got to send us rain. We've got to have rain. And he looked up, he said to the servant, go see if you see anything. The servant came back and said, ain't a cloud in the sky. So what's he going to say? It doesn't work because of your persistence. He bowed his head again and prayed again, poured his heart out to God. And they said to the servant, go look now. He came back and said, sunshine. He did that six times, but he kept putting his head down. He kept praying. You, so how long do I have to pray till the answer comes? Right. You pray the answer and in your spirit, you'll, in your spirit will just go, peace will come and you'll know. It's called a release. Some people call it a release. But on the seventh time he did it, he did it seven times. His servant's getting tired of running back and forth out there on the porch. Get a little irritated with him. He said, I'm, I'm pray that. And he prayed the same, prayed it again. He said, go look and see how things are going. And the servant came back and said, funniest thing. There's a little cloud out there about the size of a man's hand. I need much of a cloud. Elijah jumped up and said, you better run. You're going to drown. <laughs> Within a few hours, Israel was flooded. Yeah. Why, why is that in the Bible? What, what does God keep saying to me and you through these pictures in the Bible? Don't turn loose of me so fast. Quit giving up. Battle in prayer. Pray for the Spirit. You know, I've been praying for my daughter, and this went on for weeks, and I'm praying, and I'm just, I refuse to hear anything except, Thy will be done. I knew this other one. I'm not going to hear anything else. You've got to get redneck about this stuff. That's where the violence thing comes in. I said, I'm not going to have anything else. I'm just going to stand in prayer. And one day I felt this urge to pray. Went out behind my house, nobody there. Went out in the woods, and I'm walking through the woods, and I'm praying, and I'm kicking devils out and calling down fire and praying. It don't have to be perfect. He, he, he hears the heart. And I'm crying out and I'm praying and I'm giving it a fit and going to have this. So I'm doing the Jacob thing out there. So if I just can't see what I'm wrestling with. 
I, and I'm about to, it's daylight's breaking. And in my spirit, all of a sudden it just went, everything got real quiet. No desire to pray anymore. Just quiet, like a quiet you could feel. And I just said, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And I said, it's over. I turned around and walked out of the woods. Didn't see a thing, didn't hear a thing. I think it's three days later, I had to go down there to where she lived at. And uh, I had to go down there and take something. And I take her, took her to dinner, going to drop her back at the car. And I took her back. And I was that night. I said, sweetheart, thank you. It's a good time. I said, we got this marriage thing all up. I said, I said now you're, you're sure this is God's will for your life? She said, yeah. And I just said, good. I could tell by the way she said it. I just smiled and said, I'll see you. And turned around and left. I didn't get 30 minutes up the road. My phone's ringing. And she's on the phone. I pick it up. She's just sobbing. She said, I've done wrong. She said, I've run from God. I've done wrong. This is not right. What do I do? I said, hang on a minute. We'll work this out. Glory to God. <laughs> Praise God. And I said, it's not going to be easy, but here's what we're going to do. Mail that ring back, give it back. You're going to suffer some consequences. But better than suffering the other consequences, can I get a witness for 50 years? And having your daddy, be good to your daddy. <laughs> Married a fine young man that loves God now. Everything's honky-dory. Once in a while, once in a while, a reminder, you, you wasted a lot of my prayer time of that stuff there. <laughs> You got to battle for this stuff. There was this passive, mealy mouth American kumbaya Christianity is getting us killed. Don't you understand? It's a war. All right. There was this, this, this is a daily. Every morning I get up, I say, Jesus rules in this life today. He's going to rule in my life. There's going to be peace in this life today. There's going to be joy in this life today. There's going to be freedom and hope in this life today. And I'm going to tell you, something, He's going to rule in my home. I've walked around that house. I've stood in that house. I've raised up my hands and said, God rules in this house right here. There ain't going to be no backbiting in this house. There ain't going to be no snarkiness in this house. Not having bad attitudes in here, me, me included. I'm having there, you call out a bad attitude, you'd be the first one tempted with it. Amen. Kids are little, I'm sitting there one day, somebody spilled something. I said, the next person at this table that spills something on that table, I'll drink out of a sippy cup for two weeks. You understand me? Two weeks. <laughs> it wasn't 30 minutes later. I done dumped my tea over. <laughs> I drank out that sippy cup faithfully for two weeks. If you're going to put it on them, you got to do it. I just said, no, you ain't taking no pictures, though. I'm not going to have it. Listen, I'm not going to settle for a powerless life. I'm not in control of your life. All I can do is teach you the word. But I made up my mind, I'm not going to live a powerless life. And I'm not going to have puny devils kicking my butt either. If the power of God is available to break the powers of darkness, and listen to me, it's not a one-shot deal, it's a constant battle constant battle. You've got to make up your mind every day. Jesus rules in this life today. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, we're going to war. And we're going to, we, we know what normal difference. This is normal. This is good. This is where you want to live right here. Yeah. I want you to live right here. I want you to make up your mind. Jesus is going to be Lord of my life. And I want you to seek the power of God. I want you to go after it. So I'm not a preacher. You got children. You got a job out there in the public. Everybody needs the touch of God on their lives. Everybody needs the power of God to live with. Let's, let's pray about this now. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you for your word. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you. You didn't just die to make us religious. Heaven knows you're better than that. You're better than that. Your word said that, that you died to bring the kingdom of God into the earth again so that men could rule under the authority of Jesus. And you, you said, seek ye first the kingdom. Seek freedom. Seek to be free from the garbage that's making you so miserable. It's destroying your relationship. Get that junk out of your life by my power. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Your word is so clear. Understand the will of God that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. And to seek your face and say, I don't know what to do, but I'm seeking you. I thank you. you we're not supposed to be smart. We're supposed to be seeking I thank you that for every person, thank you that everyone who asks receives. Everybody that seeks will find the touch of God on their life. Everybody that bangs on heaven's door will find the power of God in their lives. I just want to praise you and thank you. There's nothing, religion is just so pathetic. It demands this and then it beats you up when you can't do it. Thank you that Jesus gives life. And thank you, Father, that it's your good pleasure to give the kingdom of God. I thank you that any person who turns their heart to Jesus and says, 
I want you to be the Lord of my life. Their sins are forgiven. They're right with their creator. They have an eternal home in heaven and they can have peace for the rest of their lives. But they also have the power of God in this life. Father, why do we settle? Why do we settle for confusion and fear and worry and garbage when the power of God is available to every believer? You said this is to you and your children and to as many as are far off as the Lord will call. I want to thank you. I love the Holy Ghost. I love the Holy Spirit of God that comforts and encourages and empowers. And Lord Jesus, when my wheel falls off and I miss it, I thank you that you can all, I can always cry out again and say, I need help. Thank you for your goodness. I praise you. I pray for every person in this room. Father, I pray for folks that have never just bowed their knee and said, Jesus is Lord. I'm, I put him first in my life. Jesus is going to run my life from now on. I receive the salvation and the grace of God. Draw their hearts to you in Jesus' name. And then, Father, for believers, I pray in Jesus' name not to accept anything less than what Jesus died to give them. So I'm not going to have that anymore. I trust you for that. I pray for the confidence, the boldness, the freedom, the joy, the glory of God on their lives, on this house too. I trust you for that. In the precious, precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.